Section 22 of the History of Prostitution. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Robert Sherman, Jr. The History of Prostitution by William Sanger. Section 22. Chapter 17. Prussia. Part 3. No such measures were prepared. The king would hear no farther argument upon the matter, and, by positive royal command, the brothels were closed and registered prostitution stopped December 31, 1845. Berlin became, nominally, as virtuous an edict from the throne could make it. The majority of the prostitutes were either sent to their former homes or supplied with passports for places out of the kingdom. A few were left houseless, friendless, and destitute. History does not say whether the friends of enforced continence provided for these sufferers. This summary edict seriously embarrassed the police, especially as the state laws tolerating prostitution were unrepealed. They applied to the authorities of Halle and Cologne, where a similar measure had been enforced, and the substance of the replies received was as follows. From Halle. Since the French occupation, the brothels had been put down. There had been a few persons charged with prostitution, whom the police caught now and then, and sent to jail where they were cured. There were, however, very few vicious persons in Halley, and there had been no need of special provision. It was not difficult to find honest livelihood for the common women. As to syphilis, there had been no increase of cases since the last of the brothels. The authorities of Cologne had no such pleasing tale to tell. They say, At the end of the French occupation, the authorities had put down all the licensed brothels, and, at the same time, made vigilant search for private prostitutes. Legal difficulties had for many years been in the way, as the laws made no provision against private prostitution when not carried on as a trade for gain, and the technical proof was difficult. Against procurers and procuresses, the law was ineffective, except in cases where the seduced female was under age. When the amendments in the law had taken place, the police had worked vigorously, and in the years 1843 and 1844, a time when illicit prostitution had enormously increased, they had presented 300 cases of that offense. As regarded syphilis, the city physician was of an opinion that, in late years, the disease had increased among all classes and had appeared in a much worse type. In consequence, however, of the increased energy of the police, affairs had become under better control, and the number of private brothels had materially diminished, so that there are now but about fifteen in the city. The secret prostitution was not, however, under any control. The police found it impracticable to keep vicious persons in check who, in default of other accommodation, committed the most depraved acts in stray vehicles or any suitable hiding place. The writer of this official communication added his private opinion, based upon the experience of some years, that no effective steps could be devised to suppress prostitution. All that could be done would be to palliate it and keep it under surveillance. These statements were not calculated to relieve the anxiety of the Berlin officials, who were pressed by the ministers to devise plans for executing the royal orders. They accordingly met, in much embarrassment, and prepared a scheme which was not acceptable to the superior powers. It was ordered eventually that the women suspected of prostitution, being about 1,000 or 1,200 in Berlin, should be warned by the police to discontinue their practices. If found out, they were to be punished and, after punishment, to be continued under surveillance until good behavior. During such periods, they were to be periodically examined for disease, at the police office, by medical men. The punishment to be made more severe on the repetition of the offense. 
These orders, following immediately the suppression mandate, will strike everyone as reaffirming the principles of the toleration system in the most important particular, the regard for public health. The police used all their energy to enforce them, but at the same time represented their fears of the consequences, namely the spread of prostitution, the increase of disease, and the general licentiousness of habits. It now remains to trace the effects of the suppression of registered brothels, and local authorities afford abundant and satisfactory proof that the fears of the police were realized. The Fossihet Zeitung, July 1847, says, well meant but altogether erroneous is the proposition that brothels can be dispensed with in times of general intelligence and education, and that now this relic of barbarism can be done away with. Already, only two years after the closing of the brothels, this deception has been exploded, and we have bought experience at the public cost. The illicit prostitutes who well know how to escape the hands of the police have spread their nets of demoralization over the whole city, and against them the old prostitution houses, which were under a purifying police control in sanitary and general matters, afforded safety and protection. In another local paper we find, prostitution which had been previously kept out of sight, in dark and retired corners, now came forward boldly and openly, for it found protection and countenance in the large number of its supporters and no police care could restrain it. The prostitutes did not merely traverse the streets and frequent the public thoroughfares to hunt their prey, thereby insulting virtuous women and putting them to the blush. They crowded the fashionable promenades, the concerts, the theaters, and other places of amusement, where they claimed the foremost places, and set the fashion of the hour. They were conspicuous for their brilliant toilettes, and their example was preeminently captivating and pernicious to the youth of both sexes. From a work called Berlin, by Sass, we obtain the annexed view of Public Life in Berlin. No city in Germany can boast of the splendid ballrooms of Berlin. One in particular, near the Brandenburg Gate and the parade ground, is remarkable for its size, and presents a magnificent exterior, especially in the evening when hundreds of lamps stream through the windows and light up the park in front. The interior is of corresponding splendor, and when the vast hall resounds with the music of the grand orchestra, and is filled with a gay crowd rustling in silks or satins, or lounging in the hall, or whirling in the giddy waltz, it is certainly a scene to intoxicate the youth who frequent it in search of adventure, or to drink in the poison of seductive and deceiving, although bright and fascinating, eyes. Should the foreigner visit this scene on one of its gay nights, he may get a glimpse of the depths of Berlin. Many a veil is lifted here. This splendid scene has its dark side. This is not respectable Berlin. This whirling, laughing crowd is frivolous Berlin, whether of wealth, extravagance, and folly, or of poverty, vice, and necessity. The prostitute and the swindler are on every side. Formerly, the female visitors were of good repute, but gradually courtesans and women of light character slipped in, until at length no lady could be seen there and the aforesaid foreigner who lounges through the rooms admiring the elegant and lovely women who surround him in charge of some highly respectable elderly person an aunt or a chaperone or possibly in company with her newly married husband seeks to know the names and position of such evident celebrity and fashion do not you know her any police officer can tell you her history are the replies he receives there is a class of men at this place who perform a function singular to the uninitiated these worthies are the husbands of the before-mentioned ladies. They play the careless or the strict cavalier. Our bluebeards on occasion appear or keep out of sight according to the properties of the moment. From the same writer we extract the following sketch of a dancing saloon. 
The price of admission is ten groschen, about twenty cents, which ensures a company who can pay. The male public are of all conditions, and include students, clerks, and artists, with, of course, a fair share of rogues and pickpockets. The majority of the women are prostitutes. There may be found girls of rare beauty, steeped to the lips in all of the arts of iniquity. The philosopher may see life essentially in the same grade as in the last description, but in a somewhat less artificial condition. Scenes of bachant excitement and of wildest abandonment may be witnessed here. The outward show is all mirth and happiness. Pleasure unrestrained seems the business of the place. Turn the picture. The most showy of the costumes are hired. The gaiety is for a living. The liberty is licentiousness. These creatures, who, all blithesome as they seem, the victims of others who fleece them of everything they can earn, are now engaged in securing victims from whom they may wring the gains which are to pay the hire of their elegant dresses, or furnish means for further excesses, or perhaps to pay for their supper that evening. It is the fashion of the place for each gentleman to invite a lady to supper, where the quantity of wine drunk is incredible how many a young man has to trace not merely loss of cash and health to such a place but also loss of honor the ladies who have no such agreeable partners sit apart sullen and discontented oftentimes they have no money to pay for their own refreshments pair by pair the crowd diminishes until toward three or four o'clock when the place is closed the lowest dancing houses are the tanswirtschaften inferior to the saloons where again quoting the dance is carried to its wildest excess to ear-splitting music in a pestilential atmosphere the poor are extravagant drunkenness and profligacy abound servants of both sexes soldiers and journeymen workmen and prostitutes make up the public here on the most frivolous pretenses concubinage and marriage are arranged and from this scene of folly and vice the family is ushered to the world the wet nurse is met here the type of country simplicity who after a night of tumult and uproar with her lover will go in the morning to nurse the child whose mother neglects her parental duties at the dictates of fashion the working classes have their representatives who drown their cares in drink while boys and girls make up the motley party in these assemblies there is a difference some are attended by citizens of the humbler classes by working men and women others by criminals and their paramours in these latter resorts the excesses are of a more frightful character than in those where a show of decency restrains the grosser exhibitions youth of both sexes are among the well-known criminals who are habituated to smoking drinking and the wildest orgies long before their frames have attained a proper development physiognomies which might have sprung from the most hideous fancy of poet or painter may be met with in an anonymous pamphlet entitled prostitution in berlin is another hideous picture in the Königstadt, there is a drinking saloon where, besides the wife of the host, there are two young girls who exceed all compeers in shamelessness and depravity. The elder betrays secondary syphilis in her voice. The younger has such noble features, is of such beauty, and is altogether of such prepossessing appearance, that the infamy of her conduct is incredible. In the evening, these girls and the host are generally drunk. At one or two in the morning, the place is a perfect hell, the whole company, guests, host, and girls, being mad with liquor. Some are dancing with the girls to the tinkle of a guitar, the player of which acted her part in one of the abolished brothels. Others are roaring obscene songs. If the guitar playing has brought her daughter, then the tumult of the den is complete it is never closed before four o'clock in the morning when the girls retire to their dwellings in company with one or two of their guests in reading these descriptions it must be remembered that under the toleration system the police would not permit prostitutes to visit places of public amusement nor would they allow music and dancing in the brothels 
another part of dr sass's work contains a truly horrid picture of the immorality of the city we transcribe it in conclusion of this branch of the subject private life in berlin let us enter the house the first floor is inhabited by a family of distinction husband and wife had been separated for years he lives on one side she on the other both go out in public together the proprieties are kept in view but servants will chatter on the second floor lives an assessor with his kept woman when he is out of town as the house is well aware a doctor pays her a visit on the other side the staircase lives a carrier with his wife and child the wife had not mentioned that this child was born before marriage he found it out of course they quarrelled and he now takes his revenge in drunkenness blows and abuse we ascend to the third floor on the right of the stairs is a teacher who has had a child by his wife's sister the wife grieves sorely over the same with him lodges a house painter who ran away from his wife and three children and now lives with his concubine and one child in a wretched little cupboard on the left is a letter carrier's family his pay is fifteen tylers twelve dollars a month but the people seem very comfortable their daughter has a very nice front room well furnished and is kept by a very wealthy merchant a married man exactly opposite there is a house of accommodation and close by there is a midwife whose signboard announces an institute for ladies of condition where they can go through their confinement in retirement i can assure the reader that in this sketch of sexual and family life in berlin i have nothing extenuated nor set down aught in malice in estimating the effects of the suppression of brothels it will be necessary to take medical testimony in dr lowe's pamphlet prostitution with reference to berlin eighteen fifty two we find in vain the charite after the ordinary wards were full of venereal patients set aside other parts of the building the patients were still poured in from the houses of detention until at length the directors of the charite refused farther admission the consequences of which was a long and angry correspondence between them and the police the minister of the interior interfered and ordered more accommodation for the charite this was done but the new wards were soon filled with venereal females the patients exceeded the accommodations and at last it was found necessary to take the cholera lazaret for syphilitic cases against this arrangement the magistracy of berlin remonstrated that the present influx of venereal patients must be regarded as the inevitable natural consequence of the abolition of the brothels that this abolition had not originated with them therefore they were not bound to provide for it dr baron to whose work we have already alluded gives much statistical information from original documents showing the results of suppression he says in eighteen thirty nine out of twelve hundred women brought to punishment for begging and similar offences there were about six hundred common unregistered prostitutes in eighteen forty the period of reducing the number of brothels there were nine hundred such women in eighteen forty seven a year after their suppression there were twelve hundred and fifty notorious prostitutes those in the opinion of the police constituted but a portion of those who practiced prostitution but yet had an apparent means of living behind the konigsmauer the traffic is carried on worse than formerly while the place itself is the scene of disorder and irregularity which used not to be under the former system these offences cannot be punished owing to the difficulties of technical proof which must always exist the police have done what is possible by continually patrolling the streets and arresting openly objectionable characters and even those who are informed against as being diseased but they can do no more the prostitution which was formerly confined within a limited district is now spread over the whole town respecting the influence of the withdrawal of toleration upon the public health Barend concludes there is a greater amount of syphilis he gives the following list of cases in the charite 
year 1840 females 757 males no information year 1841 females 743 males no information year 1842 females 676 males no information year 1843 females 669 males no information year 1844 females 657 males 741 year 1845 females 514 males 711 year 1846 females 627 males 813 year 1847 females 761 males 894 year 1848 females 835 males 979 he also investigates the average time each patient was under treatment as tending to show the malignity of the disease and reports year 1844 men 21 and 5 sixth days women 31 and 2 thirds days both sexes 26 and 3 quarters days year 1845 men 26 and 6 seventh days women 42 and 8 ninth days both sexes 34 and 2 thirds days year 1846 men 30 and a half days women 51 and a half days both sexes 40 and 7 eighths days year 1847 men 34 and 1 ninth days women 43 and 2 thirds days both sexes 38 and 2 thirds days year 1848 men 33 and 1 third days women 53 and 1 six days both sexes 43 and 1 half days these facts are corroborated by the registers of the military lazarette from returns made to the police department by Herr lohnmeyer general staff physician it appears there were in the garrison in eighteen forty four and eighteen forty five seven hundred and thirty five syphilitic cases of these six hundred and thirty three cases of primary syphilis required seventeen thousand nine hundred and sixteen days of attendance one hundred and two cases of secondary syphilis required four thousand nine hundred and forty seven days of attendance total seven hundred and thirty five cases of syphilis required twenty two thousand eight hundred and sixty three days of attendance in eighteen forty six and the first six months of eighteen forty seven there were six hundred and eighteen cases five hundred and one cases of primary syphilis required seventeen thousand seven hundred and eighty eight days of attendance one hundred and seventeen cases of secondary syphilis required five thousand two hundred and thirteen days of attendance total six hundred and eighteen cases of syphilis required twenty three thousand and one days of attendance dr barron states as the results of conversations and communications with many of the medical profession and of his own experience one that in the last four years there were more cases of syphilis two that in consequence of the increased facilities for communication the disease has spread to the small towns and villages three that it has been introduced more frequently into private families four that the character of the disease is more obstinate thereby operating severely on the constitution and on future generations five that since the abolition of the toleration system unnatural crimes have been much more frequently met with as to the influence on public morals, he contends that the abolition has produced the most injurious consequences, particularly alluding to the desecration of matrimony. He says, It is common for persons of vicious habits to arrange a marriage for the purpose of enabling them to avoid the police interference. This marriage bond is broken when convenient, and other marriages are formed. Sometimes two couples will mutually exchange and go through the ceremony. 
he also made inquiries as to illegitimacy and publishes some voluminous tables on the subject from them we condense a comparative statement of the legitimate and illegitimate births in berlin from january first eighteen thirty eight to march thirty first eighteen forty nine table illustrates from the years eighteen thirty eight to the first three months of eighteen forty nine the number of legitimate and illegitimate births along with the ratio of illegitimate to illegitimate births for each year eighteen thirty eight eight thousand five hundred eighty seven legitimate one thousand one hundred ninety six illegitimate births for a total of nine thousand seven hundred eighty three ratio of illegitimate to legitimate births one in seven point two eighteen thirty nine seven thousand eight hundred twenty legitimate births one thousand four hundred twelve illegitimate births total nine thousand two hundred thirty two births ratio of illegitimate to legitimate births one in five point five eighteen forty nine thousand nineteen legitimate births one thousand four hundred eighty seven illegitimate births total ten thousand five hundred six births ratio of illegitimate to legitimate births one in six eighteen forty one nine thousand twenty four legitimate births one thousand five hundred fifty seven illegitimate births total ten thousand five hundred eighty one births ratio of illegitimate to legitimate births one in five point seven eighteen forty two ten thousand two hundred sixty nine legitimate births one thousand nine hundred twenty eight illegitimate births total twelve thousand one hundred seventy seven births ratio of illegitimate to legitimate births one in five point three eighteen forty three ten thousand three hundred and seventy legitimate births one thousand nine hundred sixty nine illegitimate births total twelve thousand three hundred thirty nine births ratio of illegitimate to legitimate births one in five point two eighteen forty four legitimate births ten thousand nine hundred fifty eight illegitimate births two thousand total twelve thousand nine hundred fifty eight births ratio of illegitimate to legitimate births one in five point four eighteen forty five eleven thousand four hundred two legitimate births two thousand one hundred thirty eight illegitimate births total thirteen thousand five hundred forty births ratio of illegitimate to legitimate births one in five point three eighteen forty six eleven thousand seven hundred seventeen legitimate births two thousand one hundred forty illegitimate births total births thirteen thousand eight hundred fifty seven ratio of illegitimate to legitimate births one in five point four eighteen forty seven eleven thousand two hundred ninety four legitimate births two thousand two hundred four illegitimate births total births thirteen thousand four hundred ninety eight ratio of illegitimate to legitimate births one in five point one eighteen forty eight twelve thousand one hundred thirty three legitimate births two thousand three hundred three illegitimate births total births fourteen thousand four hundred sixteen ratio of illegitimate to legitimate births one in five point two the first three months of eighteen forty nine three thousand two hundred seventy eight legitimate births six hundred forty six illegitimate births total births three thousand nine hundred twenty one ratio of illegitimate to legitimate births one in five point one having rapidly traced the berlin experience of the various methods of controlling prostitution for nearly three-fourths of a century it only remains to say that the increased evils of illicit prostitution and the total inability of the police to counteract them the spread of the venereal disease and its augmented virulence 
the palpable and growing licentiousness of the city the complaints of public journals the investigations of scientific men and the memorials of the citizens generally reached the royal ear and induced an ordinance in eighteen fifty one restoring the toleration system and entirely repealing the edict of eighteen forty five which had produced such disastrous results the experiment of crushing out had been fairly tried the king and his ministers lent all their energy and inclination to the task and after six years attempt it was admitted to be a futile labor and entirely abandoned berlin will have to suffer for years from the consequences of this misdirected step for it is an easy manner to abandon all control but an exceedingly difficult one to regain it now that the police are reinvested with their former authority they strive by every possible means to repair the evils of the interregnum their most recent regulations are embodied in the following directions for keepers permitted to receive females abandoned to prostitution into their houses one the duties hereby imposed upon the keeper are not to be taken to relieve him from the ordinary notices to the police respecting persons taken into his house or employment two the keeper must live on the ground floor of his house near the outer door in order to watch all entrance into his house and to be ready to interfere in case of tumult or uproar therein three the keeper has the right to refuse any person admittance into the house for preservation of order and quiet in and in front of his house the keeper will have the requisite assistance from the police four dancing and music in the house are strictly forbidden billiards cards and other games are also forbidden whereof the keeper is to be particularly watchful five in order to avoid quarrels with the visitors the keeper must affix in each of his rooms a list of prices of refreshment to be previously submitted to the undersigned commission for approval six the agreement which the keeper enters into with the females living in his house must also be communicated to the undersigned commission in case of dispute as to this agreement between the keepers and the females both are to address themselves to this commission seven each of the females receives a printed list of directions which she is strictly to follow it is the duty of the keeper to make himself well acquainted with these directions and to see that they be followed eight it is for his own interest that the keeper should keep his house in order and quiet and should also give attention to the cleanliness and health of the female inmates each of these is ordered to obey him in everything relating thereto and should any of them be contumacious the keeper is to appeal to the police commissary or to the undersigned commission but he cannot himself chastise or use force with any female nine if the keeper know or suspect any female to be sick with venereal disease or itch he must give notice to the visiting medical officer or to the undersigned and the person is to be kept apart until she has been examined in default of this notice or even of the privacy required the keeper is liable to the same punishment as the law inflicts for being knowingly accessory to illness of other people ten if the keeper knows or suspects that any of the females are pregnant he must give notice thereof to the visiting medical officer neglect of this involves the punishment of concealing pregnancy eleven every person is to be visited thrice a week by a medical officer on appointed days and hours and besides according to the order of the commission at hours not appointed these visits the keeper is to facilitate in every way twelve for these visits indispensably requisite for the health of the female inmates the keeper is to provide beforehand a an examination chair of an approved pattern b two or three specula c 
several pounds of chloride of lime d for every female besides necessary linen her own washing apparatus her own syringe and two or three sponges thirteen the keeper is strictly charged that he caused the women to observe decency and propriety whenever it is allowed them to walk abroad in the streets or to take exercise in the open air for the sake of their health if any of these persons require to take any such necessary walk the keeper cannot refuse her but must provide a suitable male companion who is to take charge of her she is to be respectably and decently clad is not to stand still on the streets nor to remain out longer than is requisite for completing her business or for proper exercise fourteen in case any woman manifests a fixed desire to give up her profligate mode of life the keeper shall make no attempt to turn her from it and cannot even on account of sureties he may be under hinder her from carrying out her determination moreover the keeper must present the woman with apparel suitable to a woman of the serving class in case she should be destitute of the same fifteen provides for change of keepers sixteen the keeper is expected to give all assistance to the commission in their efforts to lead such persons back to an honest livelihood especially so in their endeavors to suppress illicit prostitution and to detect the sources of venereal infection end of section twenty two read by robert sherman jr w w w dot n y c k i d d dot com